1: welcome back this is a pick'em rewind on the best college football pick'em pod in the land we're coming to you from bellyupsports.com he is alan Denton. i am thomas black we've had a wild first week in college football on our hands this past weekend we had a lot go down alan how are you this evening as we get together to talk some college football through week one and some more stuff
0: to come hey man i'm great glad to be back uh uh, tucking my tail between my legs a little bit with uh, a little bit of a rough start. But um, hey, there's it's a long season, my man.
1: Hey, it is okay if you're a little bit further back in the pack. We talked about it. I mentioned last week, I feel like if you just came out of a very difficult week of picks uh, in a reasonably good position, that's relatively successful. And uh, I think you're kind of in that category I just so happen to be up at the top of the group, and I feel great about it, Uh, but are you ready to dive into our Pick'em Rewind and talk about all that went down in week one?
0: Absolutely. Let's run it back. All
1: right. So as we get started, we're going to go ahead and tell you exactly where Alan and I stand in the standings because, hey uh we're kind of documenting what we learned what we saw uh the picks we made where we went right where we went wrong uh but overall this is how it went down Allen ended up going seven and three in his picks there were a bunch of people in that range Uh, he got 39 points he's seven points off the lead and is in a tie for 22nd overall in the group uh, for myself, I fared very well this past week. I scored 45 points going a similar 7-3 and record on my picks, but I am only one point off the lead and a tie for second. So, hey, Alan, I preached it to you last week. I thought as long as you end up in a reasonably good spot, that's brilliant. I ended up being right at the top of the pack. But, hey, like you said, you had your tail tucked between your legs, but I think you and I both are in reasonably good positions uh, for heading into week two. Oh, yeah,
0: I agree. We're moving forward. We're still both, you know, right within that 10, 15 point range that you need to be to be able to um, continue to uh, just just chip away at it. Can, you know, kudos to Rebecca to um, on doing a great week. But uh, I am excited to excited for week two. I, I think there's some sneaky good matchups this week, too.
1: Definitely. Alan, as we look back at the rewind, I don't think there's anywhere we can go and talk about a game other than the big top five showdown we had first with Georgia and Clemson in a neutral site matchup in Charlotte, North Carolina. A non-offensive, low-scoring slugfest
0: between these two. What were your
1: thoughts on the Georgia Bulldogs taking down the Clemson Tigers?
0: Man, it reminded you of those like late two thousands, like two thousand nine, two thousand ten LSU Alabama game, didn't it? Like those nine to six type of games. It was it was so much fun because the defenses were absolutely electric. I obviously got this one way wrong. I was far more confident in DJU's ability to um to to manage that offense and, and complete the ball downfield. But Georgia's defense was suffocating and uh, and well quite frankly so was Uh, Clemson's defense
1: absolutely it was a a big time deal going into this one national championship implications on the field Uh, I tended to believe we were going to see a low-scoring game. I thought if either one of these teams could get up into the mid-20s, I thought it was going to be enough to win. Little did I know, and there were comments coming after the game from JT Daniels saying, hey, with our defense on the field, we may not need much more than four points to win a bunch of games this year. So uh, <laughs> it was pretty impressive, uh, but to see only 13 total points scored, and even seven of those, uh, more than either of the offense were able to generate coming off of a pick six, uh, it was something to see go down uh, with the Jordan. Bulldogs pulling off the upset
0: yeah and I was going to say and with his wide receiver core he may not be able to score more than four points a game. (laughs) (laughs) so that that works out pretty well for them it it certainly will
1: of course they're going to play easier to see defenses than what Clemson fielded and at some point if they can get some receivers back especially if Eric Gilbert uh, gets back on the field at some point in time uh, I think George is going to be able to score some points at some point yeah
0: yeah hopefully you know I I know George Pickens may be expected back at some point later that they, they'll find their stride because they will be able to run the ball against most people, right? Like that's, gonna, that's going to be something that's going to happen. Sure. Clemson just had a strong run defense as well. That limited um, James Cook and, um, and the rest of that crew.
1: Yeah. Alan, where did you have this on your board? I know you said
0: you had Clemson pretty high. Was it like a six or so? Yeah. I had Clemson at a six. I was very very confident. Dabo typically in these types of games performs very well. The team is often ready and geared in. Um even prior to to Trevor Lawrence, uh, he, you know, he had he had really started winning a lot of these types of games and then, you know, it was quite concerning to me that they could do nothing offensively. I mean, literally nothing. And so I I I had a much higher cuz I thought offensively they would be much further along than than Georgia was without Eric Gilbert without George Pickens so and and I was just flat out wrong
1: Yeah, this one was a close one all throughout. Just no offense generated from Clemson. I happened to go on the other side with this one. I took Georgia. I put them at a four. Uh, It took me a long time to really feel settled on that. You know, when I'm talking about kind of a matchup in my head and going back and forth, I found reasons to pick both sides in this game. And I did it consistently for weeks heading up to this game. Ultimately, I went with the Bulldogs. I thought their defensive line was going to have an advantage over Clemson's offensive line, and really that was the, the difference for me. And ultimately, that did play out on the field. Uh, so I was able to hugely benefit from this one, sticking on the side with the Bulldogs. Uh, if you look at the percentages in the pick 'em contest, only about a third of people were on Georgia. So anybody on Georgia or, hey, Clemson very low on their pick 'em board was in a pretty good spot compared to a lot of
0: other people. Yeah, exactly. I mean, kudos to those guys. Um, and and to you, that was a I was a really really savvy pick,
1: Alan. Where would you like to go next on the and Rewind?
0: Oh my goodness! Looking back, how overconfident was Big Ed O down at LSU? I'm <laughs> dying with those sissy blues kicked in by you, you know, <laughs> and those sissy blues kicked in by you
1: butt, <laughs> and, uh, and go
0: go Tigers! And uh, so, you know, I just found that was, that was a fun game to watch. UCLA is, you know, very talented, experienced on defense. It's not just an offensive team. Um, And I got that one way wrong. I had LSU at a seven was very, very confident um, of them going out there with Max Ferguson. I, I thought their offense would look far better than it did. And, um,
1: with max UCLA johnson
0: very impressive yes <laughs> i don't even who's max Fer- oh max ferguson is the second baseman for ut last year <laughs> my orange roots are coming through uh
1: that's okay uh what was your thought process going in why why were you so heavy on lsu and uh and what did you find different in this game as you watched it
0: yeah well i i thought lsu would be much more prepared to be able to stop UCLA's attack. Now, I, and I knew UCLA was going to get theirs, but I also knew the Bayou Bengals would travel, right? And they did. That was pretty heavily um, a, a Tiger faithful there um, at the Rose Bowl, and, and I so I was like, okay, they're going to go out there, they're going to fight for Louisiana after Hurricane Ida ravaged it, uh, and, and and you know what they. They really just did not play efficiently at all. Um, Their offense was not nearly as good. They just could not run the football, right? And that's a huge deal. And they haven't been able to run the football since essentially Darius Geis left.
1: Yeah, Alan, the first two games we've touched on, I I, I would categorize them for myself as the best two picks I made in the contest over week one. I had Georgia in the upset, getting them at a four. And this one, I still had LSU picked, but I put them all the way down at a one. And I'll tell you why. I looked at this matchup from the moment I heard about it I thought LSU was in trouble on this game. We talked about it last year on the show. I liked UCLA a year ago. Sure, they lost more than they won, but I thought we felt Chip Kelly's team really starting to come together. It felt like they had a good run game. It felt like they were playing good, sound football even when they were losing. It felt like they were very, very competitive for the first time in years. And when we thought about this matchup with LSU, all the mess they had defensively a year ago, I really liked UCLA in this matchup. Uh, But when I looked at the picks coming through, you know, this is one of those strategies that we didn't talk about on our Pick'Em tutorial, but I rely on the percentages going into some of these games sometimes. Not to tell me who to pick, but just... Uh, influencing the way I pick these sometimes. So again, I liked UCLA in this game. I wasn't convinced that they were going to win, but it was similar to Georgia Clemson where I thought, man, I can come up with enough reasons on both sides for either one of these teams to win where I feel like it's pretty much 50-50 for me. Ultimately, why I went with LSU was because about 90% of people on the pick'em board were going with LSU, and I thought, man, I would rather put LSU really low on my board knowing that I think UCLA can win, and I would only get penalized light but also if LSU pulls off the win I still get points for the victory and I just thought it was really a sweet spot for me to have a, a low pick for LSU and I think I got rewarded for it big time when UCLA pulled off the win
0: oh absolutely and that's the difference right like that's why you're uh, you're at 45 I believe and and I'm at 39 points from, from this past week so uh, it, I think you're exactly right that was a that was a really really heady pick and you kind of had your cake and ate it too by playing LSU, but playing him low. And that's the way to do something like that.
1: Man, they were impressive offensively, talking about the Bruins, Dorian Thompson-Robinson. He only attempted 16 passes in the game, but get this, nine completions for 260 yards Almost 30 yards of completion, three touchdowns, and then Zach Charbonnet, the running back transfer from Michigan, and Britton Brown were both awesome in the running game, uh, and the troubles and the doubts with LSU continue on into the future, and it's going to be an interesting team to evaluate on the pick'em slate going forward, uh, but UCLA as well, one that uh, should be looked at very optimistically, I think, uh, after this matchup.
0: Oh yeah, I, I, I totally agree. Uh, they clearly LSU clearly has not gotten their defensive struggles figured out, even though Bo Pelini's no longer there. Right, so they've got a new defensive coordinator. Um, there's just a lot going on. They got to figure they've got to figure some things out, or it's going to be a long year down on the Bayou.
1: Alan, another one that I want to go to on the pick'em board is one that we agreed on in our pick'em pod last week that we gave away information on the podcast. It was Penn State in a matchup in the Big Ten at Wisconsin, pulling off the upset 16-10. We both were on Penn State for the upset. And this one, I would argue, I think you'd probably agree, Penn State was a little bit fortunate in getting this win. Uh, They had to come up with a lot of defensive stops, and I think consistently throughout the game, apart from the mistakes they made... Wisconsin was actually the better team on Saturday so I understand why a lot of people were on Wisconsin I think they were probably more so on the right side but Penn State played some killer defense late they forced some turnovers Graham Mertz was not uh the star studded quarterback that was talked about in the early season last year and uh there were some mistakes that were put out on the field uh that Penn State really took advantage of and was able to just kind of uh you know grab victory from the jaws of defeat if you will
0: yes absolutely I mean, Wisconsin was could not get out of their own way. They were their own worst enemy. And and what my opinion, honestly, I thought was the most entertaining game of the day. That was it was an incredible game from the start. Wisconsin had not one but two chances at the end in the final three minutes to win this thing. But a blocked field goal, uh, you know, in the first half, as well as a, a fumble near the goal line in the first half, and then you've got two chances near the end. Couldn't punch that in. Uh, I mean, huge, huge credit to to James James Franklin's defense. They reloaded, and um, th- those linebackers were unbelievable. And um, it, it was just really an impressive win. Even though, you, you know, on the road in the in the Big Ten against a big team like Wisconsin, you got to have some breaks, and they took advantage of them. So I, I was impressed by that.
1: Count them up. You mentioned them: the fumble, the blocked field goal, so many different ways the Badgers failed. Not one, not two, not three, but four different trips that Wisconsin went down inside the Penn State twenty-five yard line and came away with zero points. That's remarkable.
0: Oof. It's just un—it's inexcusable, right? Inexplicable. <laughs> All right, I mean, Alan. I can't do that.
1: Where would you like to go next on the pick'em board from last week?
0: Yeah. Well, how how boring was Alabama again (laughs) Saban just ruins everything fun and everything I mean just they were unbelievable Bryce Young is phenomenal everybody had them Um, but uh, how about Oklahoma leaving off the let off the gas again and it really really almost cost them I mean they could have lost that game against Tulane had had it not been the, the defense kind of bowing up at the right time
1: absolutely Tulane had with a big old comeback I mean Oklahoma had leads of 37 to 14 they also led 40 to 22 late in the second half but it was Tulane keep on that kept on bouncing back again and again Spencer Rattler had a couple of picks uh, really, there's a number of concerning things here. Uh, for me, I looked at Oklahoma a year ago. I thought, man, the defense has taken some massive strides. I know they've replaced a couple of guys on that defensive side, but I think there's a lot of good pieces back. Uh, but they struggled against Tulane, especially giving up the lead. And Spencer Rattler with the picks – Remember, last year, this is kind of how he started as well. He threw a couple of picks in a number of games. It cost them once or twice uh, in losing some games, and it wasn't until later in the year that they really picked up full stride. So to me, I was expecting a much more complete, uh, clean package from Oklahoma in Game 1 against a Tulane team that is pretty good but not great. And uh, to me, there are a lot of concerns with the Sooners after this matchup.
0: I agree. There are a lot of red flags that crossed over from last year that you got to be able to finish games. Spencer Rattler has, ha, has to be able to, to take care of the football. Um, you know, the, the, I think it was the first play of the game. He throws an interception, right? Or the first pass of the game or something like that. It was, it was crazy. Um, just, he just has to make some of those correctable mistakes and, and, and got to play within Lincoln Riley system. They, they should have been 20 to 25 points better than Tulane, but um, just, just, Defensively, they couldn't take care of business. And and then offensively, they made too many mistakes. Yeah.
1: Alan, another one that is important to look at on our Pick'em board. It was in our Pick'em pod last week. We were both on opposite ends of it. You went with Maryland. You really paid off. Dante Demas, Raheem Jarrett, the two wide receivers we talked about them on the show last week—they were big time for Talia Tonga-Valoa, And uh, I was on the side of West Virginia. That game was close; it was back and forth, but ultimately too much offense for Maryland, too many turnovers for West Virginia, and a close win for Maryland on their home field, thirty to
0: twenty-four. Man, that was a, a fun game to watch. I, I told you last week. I just didn't—I didn't trust Jarrett Dagey enough. And uh, and and that ended up paying off. He, he, he turns the ball, ball over a little too often, too frequently for my, myself um, and Talia and Rakeem Jarrett. Those those guys, they've got a pretty good offense. I, I think that will allow them to compete a, a good bit in the in the Big Ten this year.
1: Definitely, it's going to be fun to watch. They they should be a step better. They seem to play some better defense as well. Uh, It'll be interesting to watch them. They are explosive though, offensively, especially in the passing game.
0: They are right. They're not going to get up close, you know, first or second, and in their division. But they might not be last place this year. I could see them middle of the pack. (laughs) Well,
1: to me, that's all all you need to say. If they get up into the middle of the pack in the Big Ten, that's a huge success for Maryland because that's a massive step forward from what they have been.
0: Absolutely, I mean everybody knew that 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 was going to be an automatic win, like because they were a doormat. As soon as it got into Big Ten play, they were just getting ramrodded every single week. So, um, I, yeah, that that was an impressive win for Mike Loxley and crew.
1: Definitely, Alan. What else would you like to touch on from the Pick'em rewind and our Week One slate? Hey,
0: how about uh, how about the Hawkeyes? <laughs> right, I, I ended up. Go, switching gears at, at one point last week and, and thinking through that a little bit more. And the more I, I, I read into it, I, I went with the Hawkeyes, even though I, I tended to agree with you on the, on the show. And, uh, and so I went with the Hawkeyes over, over Indiana and that one paid off because they, they dominated that one from the get go. It was over by the first quarter.
1: Definitely. Michael Penix, three interceptions on the day, Two of them went for pick sixes. Both of the pick sixes went to Riley Moss, a defensive back for Iowa. Uh, It it couldn't have gone any worse for Indiana in their opener, losing 34-6. to Just stunning uh, how that game went. Because to me, even if you told me I was going to win this game, uh, like you're alluding to, I was on Indiana. I only had them at a three, so it wasn't super high confidence. Uh, But uh, but I thought this was going to be a close game. I thought it was going to go down to the wire. I just I thought too. I thought Indiana had a chance to be the better team on the road and it was not even close.
0: Yeah, just too many mistakes. And a, a couple of those were not Penix's fault, right? I, that, I think the two pick sixes, neither one were necessarily his fault based upon the way the announcers reacted and the way that Penix himself reacted by the first time going over to the wide receiver saying, hey, you've got to you've got to run the right route. And uh, that type of stuff happens they they you know they they lost some of their players um last year we we talked about it last week they still had fry Fogle, but um just not enough playmakers that they could rely on and uh Iowa was just dominant defensively
1: anything else you want to touch on in any of the matchups that we saw
0: i, I don't think so um Houston just killed me and uh but other than that uh, these were this is a this is a fun group of games, and I, I'm looking forward to, to this next week's group of games too, because I think they're they're better than maybe the spreads, and the the rankings actually show.
1: Yeah, it'll be interesting to watch. A couple other things that I want to touch on, and this is just keeping you all informed, the listener, making sure that you're tracking with as much information as possible as we go throughout the season. A couple of injury (coughs) notes that I want to take and and throw out there just so everybody's aware of what went down in some of these games. In the Alabama-Miami game, we saw Alabama linebacker Christopher Allen get a fractured foot. He has surgery coming up. He's going to miss the entire season. Miami lost Mike Harley, their wide receiver. Uh, he was not no, non-contact in practice this week, so he's going to be back at some point. I don't know if he's going to be back this week, but that's just something to keep an eye on as we go throughout the season. And uh, just a couple of those things that stood out in this uh, matchup, especially in the Georgia-Clemson one, Georgia losing their starting offensive lineman Tate Ratledge just a few plays into the game. He's going to have Liz Frank surgery on his foot coming up. He's done for the year. And Landon Zanders, the safety from Clemson, he left early in the game as well. He has a shoulder injury that he's going to have to have surgery on. If I remember correctly, I think it's the same shoulder that he's already previously had surgery on, and he's out for the year as well. So uh, any of those... Uh, injuries really stand out to you, Alan, and making a difference for any of these
0: teams moving forward? I I don't think so. Uh, It it doesn't, you know, it it feels like Alabama has got 10 Christopher Allen's, right? (laughs) Yeah. It it kind of feels like they've just got so many of those types of guys, those super athletic linebackers that can come off the edge. Um, I, I don't know that that will be a huge deal. Clemson, played well defensively and, 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 they're getting, they will get another one of their starting safeties back. Um, so they lose one, but they didn't have both of them there. Yeah. Um, you know, this week anyway. So I, I don't think that's a huge deal defensively. Um, you know, it, it, it doesn't seem like any of those are, too big
1: yeah I think you're right I think Mike Harley would be a bigger one for Miami if it was a more significant injury uh, just Agreed. because they don't have a lot of weapons on the outside he's one of the only right. guys you can really point to that you could look at as a difference maker and it certainly didn't make a difference in the Alabama game uh, but I'm with you I think that none of those are massive It's more so if more injuries pile up around them these are going to be big deals as these teams move on throughout the rest of the year I believe
0: yes yeah it, it very well could be
1: all right, I think that does it for the rewind portion of this pick' rewind. Uh, just to let you all know again what you are fighting for each week on the show. We talked about it. Alan and I both went seven and three this week, and our group the best record anybody had. I think there were maybe two people that went eight and two in their picks phenomenal great job but it doesn't win you anything quite yet what you need <laughs> to do is get a perfect record that's going to be 10 and 0 most weeks sometimes there might be a cancellation or a board you might have an opportunity to go 9 and 0 and or 8 and 0 but you need a perfect slate and then you need to be the closest on the score in the total score tiebreaker section of the Pick'em board. So when you make your 10 picks, scroll down all the way to the bottom, and there's kind of a game of the week selected. Last week, it was the Georgia-Clemson game, and you're supposed to put in a total score, the cumulative score for both teams. If you're the closest on that and you have the perfect board, then you win a $25 gift card. So we've got some cool things going on, but Alan, we're going to certainly have some easier opportunities at a perfect <laughs> slate coming up in future weeks.
0: Oh, yes, absolutely. These these next couple of weeks... There are going to be far less fifty-fifty games than the previous couple of weeks, so I, I'm a, I, I think somebody's going to get it over the next couple of weeks, which will be super exciting.
1: And as always, you can find. The blackout on social media. Check us out on Facebook and on Twitter at the Blackout Pod. If you like on Facebook, follow on Twitter. Make sure you keep up with what we have going on. We have regular uh, documentation of different goings on with the group. We de- we tell you when picks are released on ESPN.com. On Twitter, we certainly do a lot of stuff on game day. Uh, we let you know uh, what final scores are if you're tracking along with the show there. So if you're out and about and doing things, check your Twitter, do those things. Of course, you can pull up any sports app and find those things as well. But we release those things as the final scores go down. So there is a lot going on there. And we always appreciate the ratings and reviews on Apple Podcasts. We've got 42 five-star reviews and we would appreciate more as we go throughout the season.
0: Yeah, that that helps us. It helps draw new um contestants and new listeners um as you rate and review us it it shows people that um this is a, a show that's that's worth them listening to so we always appreciate that
1: and coming up next, because this is the Pick'em Rewind, that means that we have a Pick'em pod coming up with our next episode. That's where Alan and I will give you two value picks each. We'll talk a little bit about the board. We'll also keep you informed on some other injuries and things to watch for as the week goes along, preparing for the games coming up here in week two. Alan, anything else for you, sir?
0: I don't think so. Let's let's get to the next one, my man.
1: Let's do it. Alan Denton, thank you for your time, sir